Well, that being said, um, hopefully you made your way to Numbers chapter 28, where we find ourselves today. All right. Yes, we'll see this. I think there's some great lessons here. Father, we just thank you for this time again, just moved by your spirit. Through your word, Lord, because it's your word um, going forth. And we know your word has power and your word is life. And your word is instruction to us. And it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so uh, do that work tonight that only you can do, Father. We thank you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, chapter 28 is... A repeat, really 28 and 29 is a big repeat is what it is. It's a repeat of of um, uh, some of the offerings that they need to do. Now, why is God repeating it? Well, because there's a new generation going to the land. Remember, everybody else died. And so now he wants to explain what the new generation that's going into the land uh, needs to do. And so as they um, remember, they're heading in towards the promised land. And so there's this new generation um, going there. And so Numbers 28 is that chapter. You guys get it okay? Right there? Perfect. Yeah, there might be a bigger one back there, John. Bigger print Bible. That thing's pretty small. So, yeah, I know there's some extra Bibles. You might go in the back, too, and ask Annabelle if there's a bigger print Bible back there. She might be able to help you out. But let's read verse 1 of uh, chapter 20, 28, and it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say to them, My offering, my food for my offering, made by fire as a sweet aroma to me, you shall... Be careful to offer to me at their appointed time. So basically, the Lord's saying at the beginning of what offerings they have to offer. You know, he said, these are for me. And what you do in these offerings smells good. It's like, man, it actually smells great to me. I don't know. You go by some of these barbecue, you know, you know, I mean, the carne asada and the pollo's there and it's barbecue. And this guy in the corner does a great job. And. And that's what the Lord's saying. It smells great to him. What you do, it, 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 it's, it's, it's pleasing to me. Yeah, it's pleasing to him. But you read about it. It says right here, this is my food. You know, it's, what is he talking about? Now, certainly the, um, the Lord doesn't eat. And there's a lot of, you know, pagan idols. You ever go to one of those Chinese restaurants and they have the statues of the little Buddhas and different idols and they have food in front of them? You know, it's little oranges and little food and... And, uh, you know, they do that to kind of feed them. They're really kind of feeding them. And that, that was their food. And so they offer fresh food every day because they... And that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about uh, God eating it. It's, it's, a, it's a picture here. As a matter of fact, this is what Psalm 50 said. And I know it's hard to read, but let me read it to you. In verses 9 through 15, Psalm 50 said, I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens... For every animal in the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine, and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of, of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? 
Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and will and you will honor me. So the Lord, even in the psalm, is saying, hey, listen, it's not about me eating something or me needing something for you. I don't need your bull. I don't need your cow. I don't need the offering. It's not for me. You do it for you. It's good for you so that I can bless you. I, I don't eat food. I don't drink blood. I don't do any of that stuff. I'm I, I'm, I, I'm the God. I'm God. And so I'm the one and I and I own it all. What can you give me that's not mine already? Right. You give me you give me everything. I own a, a cattle on a thousand hills, what it said. And, um, you know, all the f- animals of the forest are mine. And, uh, you know, God goes on and explains that to him. So it's not talking about him eating it all. It's talking about, um, you know, them honoring the Lord and doing what the Lord called them to do. And so that's uh, the important part uh, of remembering this. So if we look in verse three now. And it says, and I'm just going to read these offerings real quick. They're kind of just a, a mention of them, but we'll just kind of read all the way down to verse 15. And it says, and you shall say to them, this is the offering made by fire, which you shall offer to the Lord to male lambs of the first year without blemish day by day as a regular burnt offering. So, and one lamb you shall offer in the morning and the other lamb. Uh, lamb offer in the evening and one tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering mixed with one fourth of a hen of pressed oil and, and this is a, a regular burnt offering which has um, which ordained in Mount Sinai as a sweet aroma an offering made by fire to the Lord and its drink offering shall be one fourth of a hen for each lamb uh, in the holy place you shall pour out the drink offering to the Lord as an offering And the other lamb you shall offer in the evening as the morning grain offering and its drink offering. And you shall offer the offering made by fire as a sweet aroma to the Lord. So basically they offer one lamb in the morning. They offer one lamb in the evening. They offer this flour. They offer this oil. They offer this uh, drink offering as well. So, you know, if it's like they put the animal on there and it's, you know, everything else on top of it. And this is a sweet aroma and they're supposed to do it in the morning. They're supposed to do it in the evening. And, and then it says, verse 9, On the Sabbath day, two lambs in the first year without blemish, two tenths of an ephod of fine flour as a green offering, a mixed offering with oil and with its drink offering. For this is a burnt offering for every Sabbath, besides the regular burnt offering with the drink offering. So the day in the morning, that offering is always supposed to happen. And then on the Sabbath, they're supposed to add two more and all this other flour and oil and grain and all, and all that was supposed to go. And, and then it says at the beginning, verse 11 of your months, you shall present a burnt offering to the Lord, two young bulls, one ram and seven lambs in the first year without blemish. Three tenths of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering mixed with oil for each bull, two tenths of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering mixed with oil for one ram and one tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for each lamb as a burnt offering for the sweet aroma and an offering made by fire to the Lord. Their drink offering shall be half a hen of wine for a bull and one third of a hen for a ram and one fourth of a hen for a lamb. This is the burnt offering for each month throughout your months of the year. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering to the Lord shall be offered besides the regular burnt offerings and its drink offerings. Now you read all that 
And, and so they compound. So every day you do this, then on Sabbath you add some more to it. And then when it's the beginning of the month, because the new moon, they, their, their calendar didn't follow the sun, it followed the moon. So, you know, every time the moon would be up, but basically, like, let's say there, there's a full moon. It's A new moon's not a full moon, though. But, you know, let's just, for example, there was a full moon. And that was okay, the beginning of the month, if you would. And then they were supposed to do an additional uh, sacrifices but before, before all this. Now, again, this seems repetitive. And if you've been coming here, we've been talking about these offerings, seems like over and over and over again. And it's repetitive because that's what it is. This new generation needed to hear this. Remember, when this was first given at Mount Sinai, some of them were just you know, little kids. Some of them are, you know, maybe early teens. Some of them hadn't even been born yet. And so this new group that's ready to go into the promised land, God wants them to hear it. He wants them to remember, you know, remember, this is what you need to do every day. And uh, here's just a chart if, that you can't read. Interesting, it cut it off. Um, gives you a chart of basically the animals that you need here, the bottom part, um, is the total there at the bottom. I don't know why they didn't come out, but <coughs> excuse me. But you can see that they're supposed to offer this and then uh, every day uh, lambs, uh, ra- uh, rams, a Sabbath day they add some more, the new moon they add more, and then we'll see some of the feasts they have to add some more. And the final total basically is for a year, you're doing over 100 bulls, um, 30 rams, about 1,035 rams, and Uh, 22 goats for a sin offering. I mean, that's so that's every year they're adding that much and having that much. That was a communal offerings. Now, that was just that was just for the nation. So that was like kind of the priest would do this every day and every evening. They go before the Lord. And this was kind of just for the whole nation. That's not counting the people that have to bring their own offerings or their sin offerings Or they're, you know, if they wanted just to have a fellowship offering, we talked about those before, and come and eat a meal with the Lord and all those other things that would happen. That's not even counting that. This is just the regular things that they would do every day, every week, every month, and then we'll see the feasts of every year. Now, you look at all this and you go, well, that's pretty neat. What does it really mean to me? <laughs> and see, some people read through this and say, You know, they never read through the Old Testament. They say, frankly, that's why I don't read through the Old Testament, because it's got all this stuff that what does a bunch of animals and offerings really mean to me? Why should I really care about this? You know, they don't necessarily say it that way, but I think a lot of people think that way. And and the, it, uh, there's important reminders for us. See, he wants us to see his need for him. And he wants us to see that there's a cost for sin. Th- this was just to keep the nation in fellowship. And these offerings... You know, if you look at the chart, there's just so many of them. And, and, and again, I think we lose lose track of uh, of what it is to, you know, let me put, see it came back up. But, you know, what, what it is to, um, uh, how easy it is to forget the price of sin. You see, back in those days, uh, it was their, their sin was seen in a real sense. Because if you sinned and did something wrong... Well, then you'd have to go to the temple or, or the tabernacle before the temple was built. And you had to bring the correct sacrifice of the animal. So let's say, you know, you did something and you had to bring a sheep. And, and here you are during this day. You, you got you got to bring this sheep up here. And you look at all these sacrifices today and we go, oh, that's just Old Testament. We don't need to worry about it. But, you know, I think for them it was a real sense because here's this guy saying, you know, I need to pay a price 
you know, I, I did something wrong or I tried to do something wrong and I have to bring this to the Lord. You know, I had a bad day one day and this happened and I need to bring this offering. That's what the Lord wants. So here I am bringing this this sheep and, you know, probably thinking along the way, you know, that just that sin just cost me a lot. That sheep that I'm bringing, well, that sheep keeps me clothed, right? Because they would shear the sheep and they'd get the wool. And he goes, you know, that sheep keeps me clothed and my family clothed. And now I don't have it. I'm not going to have it anymore. And as he's probably walking closer there and getting ready to offer this this animal for a sin, all of a sudden he thinks, you know, if that I was slaughtering that animal, it would feed my family for a month. And I think there was a real sense in this Old Testament time when they're bringing these sin offerings and these you know, things to the Lord, there was a real sense that this animal was really taking care of my sin. And I think, you know, today, sometimes, you know, believers, as we, you know, we, we've received, you know, uh, and it isn't really a reality for some believers today, sadly, you know, certainly not for the world. They don't understand. But, you know, sometimes believers, because... We, we don't see that immediate, you know, we know Jesus paid for our sin and we don't see any, the repercussions maybe like they did, you know, people go, ah, I just want to get a divorce and they have the attitude, you know, oh, it'll be so much better for me. You know, even people that know the Lord, I, I see it happen sadly all too often. I'll be better off when this, you know, get, goes through and I'm not with him or with her anymore. And, you know, they don't count the cost. You know, this guy leading the sheep, would, this is a big cost to me and, You know, a lot of times we we forget about that. We think that there's no repercussions for sin, or you know, people will, will foreign, get involved in fornicate. You know, sleeping with their boyfriend or their girlfriend, and they think, well, we're in love, no big deal. You know, we know the Lord, but we're in love, and so we kind of got the same. You know, I don't know how people justify it, but there's a cost. You know, lying and cheating and stealing. You know, alcohol, drugs. You know, pot becoming legal. You know, there, there's a, there's a real cost to sin, and you know, I don't think we don't see it like they did because they really had to bring something of value, and it had to take their substitutionary, and blood got on their hands because of it, and there was a price to be paid for it. And I think you know, it's now we're thankful for Jesus because He paid for our sins for sure, but and, and that certainly came at a great cost. But um, you know, the spiritual leaders. Through all these sacrifices that they had to do morning and evening on the Sabbath day and the new moon day and then all these feasts, you know, um, they were made very aware of 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 the sin. Hey, this this animal right now I'm offering is paying for the the sins of the nation so they could just be in right fellowship. And then this one in the evening and then these other ones I'm adding, you know, they're all the nations pointing to the nation's fellowship. You know, there's a price to be paid and it's happening right now and it's happening in the evening or it's happening a few times on the on the sabbath day and i think the spiritual leaders of the nation you know could really minister to the people and and see that so i think it's important you know they they got to see all the animal and the blood and the cost for for sin and separation and and yes thankfully jesus paid for our sins you know and paid for them but You know, sometimes we just we kind of forget that we get kind of lost in those things and we don't think there's any big price to be paid. But there but there is and there's a cost for those things. And so I think it's a good reminder for us. Good reminder. Now. 
really all the way through the end of chapter 29, these are the feast days. And these are the offerings that they're supposed to have on the feast days. And the Lord starts with New Year's Day, we'd say. So uh, verse 16 says, on the 14th day of the first month is the Passover of the Lord. And on the 15th day of the month is a feast of unleavened bread. It shall be eaten for seven days. So first there's a Passover for one day. And then the seven days after that are the days of unleavened bread. And we'll actually talk about that next week. And it says in verse 18, on the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. Which means the first day of this feast, which is Passover, means it's a day off. It's a Sabbath. It's a holiday. Nobody worked, Okay. Nobody's supposed to work. It's like the Sabbath. Everything shuts down. You know, you're just supposed to be reflecting on the Lord and thinking on the Lord, in this case, with with the Passover. And then it talks about um, what they were to offer. Now, this is in addition to all the other things we just read. They're to present an offering made by fire, two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs of the first year without blemish. Then they're supposed to offer from verse 20 all the grain offerings and the oil offerings. And then verse 22 says they're supposed to offer a goat to make atonement for you. Besides all the regular, verse 23, offerings, burnt offerings of the morning, which is a regular burnt offering. And again, they're supposed to do this for seven days, it says in verse 24. And then on the seventh day, verse 25 says, you shall have a holy convocation, do no customary work. So then again, a week later. Now, if a Sabbath falls in between there, you still honor the Sabbath. So you could have two or three days off in a row or Sabbath days in a row, depending how things felt, you know, and, and which day of the week it landed. But again, at the end, you do know you don't do any customary work. So the first thing God says, okay, during the Passover, you're supposed to add these other offerings as well. And then verse 26 says on the, and there's a whole point to this, so just hang in there with me. On the first day of the first fruits, verse 26 says, when you bring a new grain offering to the Lord at your Feast of Weeks. So this is the Feast of Weeks hall, uh, celebration. Um, we would also call that Pentecost today. We usually refer to it as Pentecost, you know, when the Holy Spirit came. So on that day, that feast, you shall have a holy convocation. Don't do any customary work. So when this starts again, it was another holiday. Nobody worked, nobody did anything. And then you were to present a burnt offering as a sweet aroma. Verse 27 says... Gives you two bulls, a ram, seven lambs in the first year. And then it lists all the grain offerings and the and the drink offerings. And then, um, you know, what you're supposed to do with each of the animal all the way there. Verse 31 says, be sure they're without blemish. And you present them as, uh, with their drink offerings besides the regular burnt offerings with its grains. So don't forget, this is an addition to all those things that you do all the time. So we talked about. Uh, Passover, and then we talked about the Feast of Weeks. That's We call that Pentecost today. Remember, the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost was uh, Passover. We know what it was when God was taking them out of Egypt. And the Feast of Weeks was basically, well, that's when the grain just starts harvesting. And what they would do is they would, you know, bring in the first fruit. So that, the, like, right, like right now, you know, they're, they're starting to get a little bit of strawberries around here because they're starting to warm up and some uh, uh, raspberries and blackberries and So they're starting to pick, uh, you know, some of the fruit here. And so what they would do is take some of that early fruit that was coming in or or grains or whatever, and they would have a special holiday and they would bring some of that to the Lord that was part of their offering and celebrate. Hey, 
Lord, the fruit's coming in and we're excited and and thank you, Lord. It was just kind of one of those celebrations. It's called the Feast of Weeks and or, or Pentecost later on because it was 50 days from that pe- Passover. And it was just kind of, hey, it's coming in. We're excited, Lord, what the bounty we're going to receive here. And so these were the offerings they were supposed to do for that. Then go a little later in the month, verse 1 of chapter 29. In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a holy convocation and do no customary work. Okay, a holiday, it's sacred, don't do any work. And for you, it is a day of blowing the trumpets. So this was the the Feast of Trumpets, they called it. They were just supposed to blow the trumpets. Um, Again, this was at the at the end of harvest. So now all the harvesters come in, you celebrate it, you're blowing the trumpets, and, and, and you're just celebrating, man, Lord, all the goodness you've, you know, given us this food, you've blessed us with all these crops, and, you know, they would bring their offerings in, and they would come before the Lord, and the, the priest would offer these special sacrifices that we're talking about, and it would just be a great and wonderful time celebrating Not only, okay, God, you've given it, you t- you've delivered us in Passover, you've taken us out of the bondage of Egypt, you've set us free. Then the Feast of, of Pentecost, or, or it's also called the Feast of Weeks in the Old Testament. Lord, you've blessed us, the, the crops are coming in, we're excited, we know you're going to do great things. And at the end of that is the Feast of Trumpets, when all the crops and harvest, you know, you're getting into fall season, everything's done, and you just celebrate, Lord, you've just blessed us. They all gather together in Jerusalem eventually, or wherever the tabernacle was. Was at this time, and then it says in verse two, you shall bring these these offerings: a bull, a ram, seven lambs, uh, without blemish. And then it talks about all the the flour and and uh, you know the drink offerings and the, everything that you're supposed to offer al- uh, along with that. And then on the verse seven, it says, on the tenth day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall afflict your souls. You shall not do any work. Now this is um, what we call today Rosh Hashanah. This is their 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 what they would consider their high holy day uh, in in Israel, even today for most of the Jews. How they interpret "you shall afflict your souls" in verse seven means they they interpret it to mean you shall fast. That's a day of fasting, and so it was a national day of fasting for the people. And uh, as we've talked about this holiday before, it was the holiday where you know, you're supposed to reflect, you know, Lord, we're, we're sinful and we have sinned. And that was the one day a year that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies place. Remember, he would offer the blood sacrifice first for himself and then for the people. That was the only day he could go behind that curtain to where the Ark of the Covenant was. And, and, and he would do that on that day and everybody would fast and And remember, you know, just reflect on, on, on how sinful and how much we need, Lord, you um, in our lives and, and, we, and how much you've forgiven us. And we realize, you know, we, def- we need a Savior. And that was a great, you know, uh, day of, you know, what's not called Rosh Hashanah here, but th- that's what they call it in Hebrew today. And, and that's what they were supposed to do. And besides the high priest doing all those things, you know, verse eight says they were supposed to present, you know, their bull and a ram and seven lambs and be sure they're without blemish. God saying, listen, you know, I want this picture of Jesus who was the sinless, spotless lamb of God. I want you to keep that. Make sure they're good animals. They're not some lame one that got torn up or is born, you know, with some defect or something. 
Yeah, I want to get rid of that animal anyway. It's not doing me any good. No, it's supposed to be, you know, offered to the Lord and you offer your best to the Lord. And so it talks about all that they have to bring along with that as well. And the goat they had to offer and, and the drink offerings and the grain offerings along with that. Now, that being their their real day of reflection in, and uh, of how sinful they were and how thankful they were for God forgiving their sins. Then the next um, uh, day, well, actually five days later, they had this great feast. So it kind of rolled into this feast of tabernacles. And this was um, uh, a pretty cool thing. And verse 12 says, on the 15th day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. She'll do no customary work and you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. Now, now remember, that's the one where they, they, they sit out in booths. They're supposed to make, uh, they're supposed to camp out for a week, we'd say today. Everybody in their family wouldn't just live in their house where they normally live. They would make a special tent And, and and they would all live outside for a week, and it was a great celebration. Some, you know, uh, uh, they said there was tents all around Jerusalem and on everywhere. Not tents, but you know, they would make these little booths, and they would all take the kids and, and the family would basically camp out for a week, and they would just be talking about, oh, wasn't the Lord good? Remember our our forefathers that came out of Egypt? They had to live in these tents that we're kind of living in. They had to make their own little booths it's you know sometimes called the feast of booths because they made little tents we and 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 so we had to live it and we're living in them because they had to live in them and so we're remembering how god took care of them in the wilderness they, they were living in a place he fed them manna every day he brought water out of rocks when they needed it if the water wasn't good he you know moses turned the water into drinkable water from non-drinkable water and You know, he just took care of us. And so they were supposed to remember that for a week. And it was a great time. You know, you weren't working. You got a week's holiday off. You were camping out, you know, and, and you were just talking to your family about the Lord and how good he was and how wonderful he he was to, uh, to us and took care of our forefathers and how he takes care of us. So, I mean, a great remember how God delivered them for Egypt with Passover And then, you know, the feast of, of weeks or, or Pentecost, Lord, you know, the harvest is coming in. You're taking care of us. We believe it. We're giving you our first because we trust that you're going to take care of us. So we're giving you our first fruits. And at the end of the harvest, this is great celebration. Lord, blow the trumpets because you're so good. You really bless us. And then they're supposed to reflect Rosh Hashanah on their sin You know, once a year, you know, Lord, I, I just need to put away the food and all the regular stuff and, and fast and think of you Oops. and think of you. And so, Lord, I want to do that. And, and then they have this feast of booze, you know, well, five days later, four days later, when they camp out with a family, a family camp out and, and talk about how good the Lord was. And then the rest of this just talks about. Um, you know what they're supposed to do or 17 on the second day there they offered 12 bulls two rams 14 lambs uh, and then all the grain and drink offerings along with them and then on the uh, the third day they offer 11 bulls and two rams and 14 lambs and all the things accompany with that and the fourth day you know kind of goes down every day to 10 bulls and two rams and 14 lambs and then Again, the fifth day goes down to nine bulls and everything else is pretty much the same. And then you can see eight bulls in verse 29 on the sixth day, the seventh day, uh, seven bulls. And then finally, on the eighth day, you shall have a sacred assembly and you shall do no customary work. 
and you shall prevent, uh, present burnt offerings made by fire as a sweet aroma to the Lord. And now on the eighth day, it's just one bull, one ram, and seven lambs. And then verse 39 says, You shall present to the Lord at your appointed feast, besides your vow offerings and your freewill offerings. So again, these are just what the priests do. This is what they do at the temple or the tabernacle, whatever time period this was in, because they, they did this for about 1,500 years, remember. Uh, about 500 years in the tabernacle and about a thousand years in one of the temples, roughly. You know, they were out of it for a while. So uh, that's what they, they did. And so uh, these are the offerings they're supposed to do. And they were supposed to present these, the priests were. That's just the priest portion, right? Besides all the vow offerings and all the free, everything that people wanted to bring besides that. As your burnt offerings and your grain offerings, as your drink offerings and your peace offerings. So Moses told the children of Israel everything just as the Lord commanded. Now again, somebody may ask, well, what does this have to do with me? And really, why should I care about this, right? I, again, I think there's a important reminders for us through this. You notice that there's a rhythm here. There's a morning, and there's the evening, and there's every week, and then there's every month, and then there's these days that we get together and we offer these things, and we're all gathered together. There's a rhythm the Lord has us to follow. I really believe that. You know, I... The Lord's just pretty much saying, I want you to come to me in the morning. I want you to come with me in the evening. I want you to spend a day with me on a Sabbath day. I want you to take time off and from your busy schedule and spend time with me. Don't don't be so busy. You know, it's not like, you know, we have to wait for the Lord. You know, normally if you if you try to make a Let's say you try to make an appointment with the president of the United States or even our governor or somebody. You don't pick somebody that's high and mighty and you try to get an appointment. It would be impossible if not take months and months and maybe yeah, six months. Maybe they can give you 10 minutes or whatever of their time because they're so busy and they have a huge schedule and they have important things to do. And we just we wouldn't even try it because we knew it would be impossible for us. Right. But but God, who is greater by infinity than than the greatest person we could think of he is just the opposite he says i want you to come with me and i know how you are you're going to get busy and not want to come to me so i i, I want to get a rhythm here i want you to get a rhythm in your life i want you to get a rhythm in the life of the nation you know come to me in the morning come to me in the evening you know once a week you're going to spend spend some more time with me take a day And focus on the things of me. Remember me. And then once a month, you know, spend even more time as he gets in that, you know, the new moon. And then in between, there's these feasts where not only you gather with me, but you gather with others. Gather with others. And, and you know, special holidays. And come to me and let's all spend some time together. You and me, let's fellowship. Um Remember, like the Passover, just be a great time. And Lord, remember what you've done for us. Yeah, it was tough for our ancestors in Egypt, and we're not slaves anymore. Thank you, Lord. And yes, they went through good things, but Lord, you're so good because look where we are now. 
I mean, it would just be a passionate thing. You know, the week, the, the harvest is coming in. Lord, we trust you to do it. It would be a great time to get every, everybody just gathered together around there. You know, thousands of people. And wow, Lord, it's so good. And the harvest has been so good. And, and the Lord just wanted it not only us to be with him in the morning and the evening. And then once a week, you know, that we get together as a kind of a group kind of a thing. And, and then other times and. Um, you know, let's get together with him. That's what the Lord was doing. You know, the day of atonement, yeah, reflect on your sin, price to be as paid. Sin is horrible in this world. And then there would be, you know, this great celebration next week where everybody stayed in tents. And then they would just have barbecues outside because the Lord wants us to meet with him. He wants us to come to him. And the Lord knows that we just get busy with life and there's a real tendency to put him aside because I'm so busy. I'm so tired. I, you know, um, you know, I worked all day or I this all day or I have this. And, you know, people we get we can get so distracted and we're so caught up with us and we just, you know, take it to you guys who are here, but, but you know what I mean? You, you know, it's easy sometimes just to put them aside and, and make other things a priority. And the Lord says, listen, I don't want you to get into that rhythm because I know how you are. So as Anisha said, just come with me in the morning, meet with me in the evening, you know, spend time once a week and, and, and do these things with fellowship. Be involved with people that know the Lord with you. Encourage one another. Be encouraged. Let them encourage you. Celebrate God's goodness together. I mean, That's what he really wanted to do. And I think there's some great lessons. And we read all these sacrifices, this, but that's what God was doing. Bringing the people together, reminding them, bringing them to him, reminding them, come to me, come to me. It's like he's inviting them and saying, let's do this so you get into this rhythm. And I think, you know, today we just kind of lose, tra- can lose track of that. And uh, he was getting the people that were going to the land now, this new generation, You know, remind them, I want you to come to me. It's important that you come to me. Don't don't get this tendency to put me aside because I know life gets busy. But don't push me aside. Chapters 28 and 29. Which is so easy, brother. It is With easy. all these distractions around us, all these voices. Don't worry about being, you know what, do this, do that. Oh, it's so easy. So easy. It's exactly right. A tendency to push them aside and just not because we want to so much. It's just because, oh, this or that or whatever. And it always comes up when you want to spend time with the Lord. It's just the enemy wants to move us away, push it away. He does. Amen. Well, let's look real quick at chapter 30. And that's a whole different subject, but it's pretty short. But again, another powerful, powerful uh, message, I believe. So let's look at it. Verse one of chapter 30. And Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. If so, this is what the Lord wants. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Listen, God says, listen, here's the rule. Here's the law of the land. If you make a commitment, if you make a vow, if you give your word, if you agree to something, you are to keep it. Here's a great quote I read. 
and, and just to, to define a vow. A vow to God is a voluntary commitment to do something that pleases him or to abstain from certain practices or demonstrate or practices to devote. Wow, I read that wrong. Uh, please him and abstain from certain practices to demonstrate devotion to him. So this is a, a voluntary thing. So a vow would be, you know, Lord, I, I want to do something. Uh, you know, I make this commitment to you. Uh, or I'm not going to do this for a while, or I want to demonstrate my devotion to you. And, and, and so, um, remember, one of the vows would be like a Nazarite vow. Remember we went through that some months ago, a Nazarite, they wouldn't cut their hair, they were, weren't supposed to get near grapes, they were supposed to not touch anything unclean. And, and a person could do that for a week, or a month, or a year, or whatever. And basically what they were saying was, hey, I'm not a priest, I can't, do all the priestly things inside the temple and all that. But I want to devote some time to you. I want to devote this week to you, this month to you, or whatever the period of time was a person chose. And then, you know, and 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 God says, well, that's going to be a sign. You're not going to cut your hair. It's kind of a sign. So everybody kind of knows what's going on. And then you are, you know, some things that you're, here's some of the things that you're not to do and stay away from. And then you spend that time devoting me. So if you say you're going to do it, You're going to have that vow to me, then then you need to fulfill that. I'm holding you to your word. If if you uh, choose to make an agreement with somebody, it says in verse end of verse middle of verse two, then you need to keep that too. If you agree to something, you do it. Don't break your word. Uh, you know it's a great thing to underline in your Bible. I think is he shall not break his word, but do everything that came out of your mouth. So. Again, God is saying, uh, I hold the person to his, his, his vow or to his promise. Um, so don't take it foolishly. It's a warning, really. Don't take it lightly. Don't make agreements and uh, commit to something or to somebody or to the Lord. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you this. You, you know, how people are like, oh, Lord, if you just get me out of this thing, then I'll, I'll go to church or I'll give you my... Uh, you know, a thousand dollars to the church or, oh, I won't ever do that again. And the Lord says, listen, I don't want you to do that. You keep your word. And again, a lot of people make vows to the Lord expecting to get something for the Lord, right? Lord, Lord, if you just do that, then I'll do this. You know, they kind of make a bargain. Let's make a deal with God, you know. But Lord says, I take it seriously. As a matter of fact, you might remember what Jesus said in the New Testament. Oops, there's a slide. In Matthew 5, 33-37, this is what he said. Again, you have heard it said, uh, I'm sorry, heard that it was said to people long ago, which is what we're reading right here, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. And then Jesus goes on and says, But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one white hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And so Jesus said, listen, it's just don't even do it. Don't make... <coughs> promises or commitments or try to make this deal with God. Just be a person of your word. If you're going to say you're going to do this, um, then 
you do it. You know, uh, you, you know, you don't move off that. And Jesus said, just be a person of your word. I, I was down uh, for work and I was talking to a guy way down south and, and he um, was telling me, we were just sitting around there talking for a little bit and I don't know how the subject came about it being a person of your word. And so we were talking and he said, uh, you know, he goes, oh, I know. He was telling me he was going to do something. Uh, I, I Something needed to be done. And I said, well, you know, I, I trust you. He goes, well, I appreciate that. He goes, you know, he was an older guy. He's about 65. And he said, you know, my word is my bond. If I shake hands on it or if I say I'm going to do something, he says, I'm going to do it. He says, let me tell you a story. He said, I have some property down in Paso Robles or something. And, and, and he said, I had a, you know, uh, and my neighbor owned a lot more property around me. And, but mine was kind of in the middle is this five acres that, that I own was part of my property that he, he wanted to buy. And so that his would be like one piece. And, 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 and I said, sure. Yeah, I don't use it anymore. You, you, you know, you can buy it. And so they agreed on a price and he told me, he goes on to tell me, he goes, it took him like nine months to get the lot line adjusted with the county and all this stuff. And, and as it night, as the months went by to this nine month, he said, the property values went way up. I mean, they were going up and up, you know, it's like they're not going up and up. And he said it was, it was probably 50% more in price at that point than when I originally told him. So he was getting kind of nervous. His neighbor said, you know, let's buy, let's sign a, a contract. Let's sign a contract, you know, so we, you know, we got this all agreed. And he goes, listen, we don't, I don't need to sign a contract. We don't need to do a contract. I gave my word to you that I would sell it to you at that price, and I'm going to sell it to you at pr- that price. He said, if I told you I'll, I'll sell it to you at whatever it's going for, whenever it's done, he said, that's a different story. But I said, I was going to sell it to you at this price, and I'm a man of my word. And I thought, you know, that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, uh, what a great uh, witness that was. That, you know, I don't need a contract. I don't need to sign all these things. I don't need to get the lawyers together and all this stuff. If I said, this is the deal, this is the deal. And um, that's what the Lord wants. You know, my, my dad's like that. Um, if he says he's going to do something, he, he does something. He, he's a man of his word. Um, uh, can you imagine if we were like that today? Just let our word, if we said yes, and we said we're going to do something, and we agreed to something somehow, and we would just do it. All the lawyers would go broke, wouldn't they? <laughs> But what a great witness as a Christian, right? That you just keep your word. And that's what God's saying here. Just keep your word. And if you make a commitment to me and you say you're into the, I'm not making you do it. Now, this time, Jesus said, don't even do that. You just be a person word. But, you know, but, you know, if you do make a commitment or you feel like the Lord's leaving, I'm going to do this. Then God says, you need to do it. You follow through on it. Don't, don't let anything get in your way. Now, he's going to talk about uh, something else real quick as far as vows. Verse three, or if a woman takes, I'm sorry, if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself by some agreement while uh, while in her father's house in her youth and her father hears the vow and the arrangement by which she has bound herself and her father holds his peace, then the vow shall stand and every agreement which she has bound herself in shall stand. But if her father overrules her on the day that he hears, none of her vows nor arrangements by which she has bound herself shall stand. And the Lord will release her because her father overruled her. Okay, so here's the next person. You have this young, 
unmarried woman. She's still living in your house and she makes some sort of vow or some kind of promise or she makes a commitment to something. Uh, I'm going to join the army. I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, I'm going to become a Nazarite for 10 years or something. She just she just does something. And what, what God's saying here is, listen, dad can step in and say, no, that's not the direction, honey, that you should go. That's not a commitment you should make. No. Now, some people would call that repressive, you know, holding them down. But it's not as God's making it very protective. He's saying, listen, this woman is under her dad's authority. She's at home. He's taking care of her. And, and, you know, she's young still. And so God's given the opportunity to, if dad hears about it, and she's making some commitment or promise or signs some contract we say today or says she's going to do something. When dad hears about it, and he hears it, he goes, oh, honey, that's just not going to be good for you. It's it's a protective thing for her. And it spares the girl, uh, you know, from living with, possibly harsh repercussions and, and so god's protecting them that that's exactly what's going on listen you know some of you have daughters i know and i do and wives and and gals i'm not trying to pick on them but but you know women can can experience uh emotions on a different level than a man for the most part right they they They're emotional, and that, that's good. That's the way God made them. And they have higher highs with emotional experiences than most guys can have. But they also have lower lows than guys have. You know, guys are kind of here for the most part. But women, they, they can experience deeper emotions, higher and lowers. And it's 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 good that there's that protection there. I know we were walking to um, Yogurt Land the other day. We were walking over there and going up there. And then Anastasia... Anastasia. <laughs> My daughter says, um, sees this uh, the guy, you know, asking for money. The guy that's normally there outside the shopping center. And the first thing she says, Dad, 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 can I give him some money? I said, honey, you know, not tonight. I really only brought enough money and only have enough money for our yogurt. Oh, Dad, I want to please give him money. But see, that's a good thing. That's okay to want to help somebody out. You can see she sees him. It's the same guy that's there all the time. And she's constantly asking every time she sees him to give him money. She just has a great heart to want to help him out. But see, I realize I don't need another child to support <laughs> at whatever how old the guy is, 50, whatever years old, right? Because theoretically, I, I could, and, but I, I understand her compassion and I don't want to, to, to quench that. But I do also want to say, honey, listen, the, you know, we have to follow what the Lord wants. When the Lord moves on our heart and we feel like, you know, Lord, that's what you want me to do then that's what we do. But just because we see him and we feel sorry for him, which we do, that, that's a good thing. There's compassion there. But that doesn't mean compassion leads to that action of, in this case, giving the guy money. So dad, loving his girl, says, honey, that's a good idea, but it's not the right time for that. And if you would, in a much huge, bigger sense... That's what God's saying here. He's protecting the young girls that might make a commitment because they're emotional or they think this is going to be a great thing. And dad hears it. No, it's not a good thing. You know, it's kind of crazy today. A, a, a gal in our society can get an abortion without a parent signature. I mean, no matter what age she is. But yet, you know, if you want to get their ears pierced or get it, well, something like that, they have to have a parental signature. It's, it's kind of crazy to me. But, uh, you know, you can get, you know, we've kind of got a lot of stuff out of whack. But um, it's just a good covering. 
So God's not only looking for uh, the young um, gals uh, in their dad's house, in their parents' house, but verse six, indeed, if she takes a husband while uh, bound by her vows or, or rash utterance from her lips, which she has bound herself, and her husband hears it, And makes no response to her on her day that he hears it. Then her vows shall stand and her agreements by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her husband overrules her on the day that he hears it, he makes uh, void her vow which she took and what she uttered by her lips by which she was bound and the Lord will release her. So this, you know, um, the same story kind of with the wife. The husband can be such a wonderful and important filter You know, a, a gal gets all, you know, oh, let's do this, or let's do this, and let's get, you know. And, and you know, she might just be very emotionally charged by something uh, and make this commitment. And then the husband, you know, the Lord gives the opportunity again. Hey, hey, wait a minute, let's, you know, is this is this really what we should, is the direction you should go? Do you really want to commit to that? Do you really want to do that? Is that really what the Lord's saying? And so... You know, this should just be an important filter for the gal, for, for the for your wife. Hey, is this really what you want to do? And that's the way a great marriage works. As you know, uh, you know, in our case, there's filters both way. Our wives, you know, with our husband, there's just a great thing, and that's a great, wonderful thing about being in a marriage. We can talk to each other like that. And in this case, that's saying, hey, I, I want you to, I want you to have that important filter there. But verse nine says, if it's a widow or divorced woman and she's bound herself, then it stands against her. So basically, it's a single gal. She doesn't have that advantage. So whatever they commit to, it's going to stick. You know, if you're going to make that commitment when you're a single woman on your own and you're not at home, you're not married, then then, you know, you, you keep the vow. And then let's read the last little bit and we'll end there. If she vowed uh, in her husband's house and bound herself to an agreement with an oath, and her husband heard it but made no response to her or, and did not overrule her, then the vows shall stand and the uh, agreement by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband truly made them void on the day he heard them, then whatever proceeds from her lip concerning the vows or concerning the agreement binding her, it shall not stand. And her husband has made a vow, and the Lord will release her. And every vow and binding oath To afflict her soul, her husband may confirm or her husband may make void. Now, if her husband makes no response to her on the day, uh, her from the day to day, and then he confirms her vows or all the agreements that bind her. If he confirms them because he has made no response to her on the day uh, that he heard them. But if he does uh, make the, them void after he's heard them, then they shall, then he shall bear uh her guilt so verse 15 basically says uh, well anyway if a gal makes a vow let's say somewhere and her husband's not around um, then when he hears about it he has an opportunity to say something now if he if she does it right in front of him and he doesn't say anything then it stands or if he hears about it the next day or the day after that then he has an opportunity and he has an opportunity to say something about it Now, a father or husband has to step up. God's making them step up. You, you can't just be passive about this. You can't just blow it off and say, okay, well, you know, whatever. I'm not really sure. Then it stands. So it puts a responsibility on, on, on a husband or on a father to say, hey, wait a minute. Is this good or not good? They can't just ignore it. They have to deal with it. And, and, and it says in verse 15, now, if he does make... Uh, them void after he has heard them, then he shall bear her guilt. So, 
you know, if she makes a promise, he hears it, and all of a sudden he says, you know, later on he says, no, we're not going to do it. Then basically, you know, he's has a responsibility to make sure it's carried out. If he heard it and, and didn't say anything, and it's going through, and he didn't uh, turn the page on this, then he bears the responsibility now to make sure that it's carried out. So it's not, again, remember, it's not repressive, it's protective. You know, listen, if you're going to not say anything and you're going to have kind of this passive role, well, I don't know, you know, kind of do your own thing and I'm not really sure because some guys sometimes can be a little passive on that, then God says, listen, then it's going to stand and then you're part of that responsibility to see if it happens because if it doesn't happen, even though you didn't make the commitment, you went along with it and God says, listen, I, I'm... I'm holding you responsible to and i think that's a you know a great thing it keeps men you know from kind of not him hawing around and not dealing with things because sometimes you know we can be guys we don't want to deal with things and oh that's a mess and i'll just throw it under the carpet that's a good thing god says listen if you choose to do that then you're you're agreeing with it because you're not saying anything you're not doing anything and you have to make sure it all happens because if it doesn't I'm going to hold you responsible as much as I held the person that made the commitment or did this or promise or vow or whatever or signed this contract um you know it's kind of like co-signing on a loan I guess you know that one person said yeah they're they're responsible to make that payment but if you put your signature there as a as a co-signer then you're responsible if they flake out and I guess if you can look at it that way, that's what's going on here. And the last verse, then these are the statues which the Lord commanded Moses between a man and his wife and between the father and his daughter in her youth in her father's house. Well, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for this time and for this word, Lord, that you've just shown us. Um, so much to learn through those feasts and through those offerings, Lord. Help us, Father, to remember that sin comes at a price and And we're so thankful Jesus paid for ours. And our sins are washed away as we're in, found in you, absolutely, as we receive that gift by faith. No question about it. But, you know, Lord, there is a price to those things. And even though they pay for them, Lord, we don't want to continue in sin. Um, and though we don't offer that and we don't see it come out necessarily as a, an animal as they did, but, Father, there is a price to be paid. And, and when we don't listen, Lord, though our sins are forgiven lord there's consequences sometimes and so lord uh you know you're good at well, not letting us see always the repercussion all those things uh, so much of the time but but this was just a good picture that they really had to walk up and it cost them and help us to remember that father it just gives us more appreciation for what you've done for us and lord These holidays, there is a rhythm. And I think there should be a great rhythm in our own life, Lord. Spending time with you, spending time in your word, spending time speaking and fellowshipping and, uh, with you, and then gathering together with others, Lord, and spending time with them. And, you know, these gatherings were all to encourage one another, remind each other, and celebrate. And so many great times we can gather together, Lord. And, And Lord, we do thank you that you want us to be people of your word, of our word. We make our yes, yes, and our no, no. And that's certainly what you taught us, Lord. We want to be people that make foolish commitments or don't keep our words, Lord. It's just not a good witness to you. So help us to be people of our words. If we say something that everybody knows, we're going to do it. 
If we say no, we're not going to do it, we're not going to be part of that, then we also are people of our words. Our yes is yes and our no is no. And um, what a great witness it is in the world that's so wishy-washy, Father. So bless, pour out your spirit, fill us, empower us, Lord, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.